Well, good morning. I'm very glad to be here this morning with you because this morning we're doing things a little bit differently. Those of you who've been to this church before will know as soon as you walked in through the door that there's something a little bit different about this morning. We're all cozy. We're all kind of comedy club-esque because Central is being used as a venue for the fringe. And during these weeks when Edinburgh is changing and we've got the international community coming to hear and do exciting things, we thought we'd change and do some exciting things. And we'd ask the big question, why, why are we Christians? Does it make sense to have any kind of religious faith, Christian faith, in the 21st century here in Edinburgh? And so what we've attempted to do last week and this week is to examine that question. And last week, if you were here, Amy or Ewing joined us, who is a church leader from England. She's involved with something called the Ravi Zacharias Trust, which are a bunch of clever folk who give reasons for why faith, Christian faith makes sense. And Amy laid out for us this idea that actually all of us are made with this God-shaped longing that we're all looking for some kind of meaning and purpose and fulfillment. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life, and it's me that you need to fill that longing. A huge claim, an audacious claim, probably the hugest claim in the history of huge claims. Jesus says, I am the answer to everything that you need. And then Amy laid out some reasons why that might be the case, starting with the fact that other things don't seem to work to fill that hole. The fact that the Bible is something that you can read and rely on. There are good reasons to believe that it's the truth. And, and lots of other things besides. And she covered some theology and some philosophy and then answered some difficult questions. Um, and if you're interested in all of that and you weren't here last week, have a listen on the website. Fascinating stuff. So that was the theory. Why am I a Christian? Does it make sense? That was the theory. And this week is going to be the practical. So in a moment, I'm going to be joined by some friends. We call ourselves a panel. Uh, not because we're a panel of experts, although I think actually some of them might be experts. They'll tell you a bit about that in a minute. But because all of them have a story. All of them have a story about their journey of faith, about trying to follow Jesus, um, some for a long time, some for not very long time. And we thought it would be great to share some of that with you and then invite you to ask them some questions. And let me talk about how the questions are going to work, and then I'll invite the panel up and we'll get going with hearing some of their story. Now, the old Q&A thing can be a little bit awkward, can't it? Pass the mic, run around, ask people uh, to shout out their question, and you can't quite hear it, and only the extroverts get to play because everybody else is feeling a bit kind of embarrassed. So we've decided to go high-tech and, and pick a really cool way of doing this that just involves your smartphone. So pull out your smartphone, please. If you've got one, I know you all have one in there somewhere. And then on your smartphone, go to slido.com, www.slido.com. And when you get there, the website will say, enter your code, and the code is converse. Doesn't matter about case, just type in converse. And once you've done that, you'll be invited to ask a question. And you can type in a question, or you can look at the other questions people have put in, and you can give them a thumbs up, which will give them a higher rating, and push them to the top of the question pile. 
Just while you're getting organized around that, let me say two things about the questions. Number one, we won't answer them all today. Uh, and the ones that we don't get to, we will try and answer and put something up on the central website later. So and ask a question, even if it's not going to be answered today. And secondly, ask a question that takes advantage of the fantastic opportunity we're about to have. We're going to get four folk up here who've been uh, cajoled, coerced, uh, given the opportunity to actually share something, warts and all, about their Christian walk. So ask them about that. If you ask, did Adam have a belly button, I'm not going to ask the panel, okay? That was last week. <laughs> that was Amy or Ewing's territory. This week, it's what does faith look like in practice? You know, what, how does this work out in real life? That's the opportunity we have this morning. So let's take advantage of that. So go to slidework.com and answer your, enter your questions. While you're doing that panel, please, could you come and join me up on the stage? Thank you. So the panel we have this morning is Andy, we have Saul, we have Steph, and we have Rob. And in a moment, I'm going to let them introduce themselves, pass the mic along, and they've all, I've given them the impossible task of compressing into about two or three minutes the answer to the questions, who are you, what gets you out of bed in the morning, and give us a flavor, just a tiniest little flavor of your attempts, uh, experiences, uh, following Jesus, being a Christian, so far. So, let's start with Andy. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, so, my name's Andy, um, as Gareth said. Um, my faith journey kind of starts maybe, well, it started a long time ago, but um, last uh, last two years have been really significant in my life. My life was full of um, turmoil, a lot of uh, a lot of anger, drugs, um, alcohol. Um, I'm a musician, and I was away doing different things with different bands, and um, yeah, just just really kind of thinking I was enjoying my life, but really I was digging a deep hole for myself. Um, got into a lot of debt, um, and I really wasn't a nice person to be around. To be honest, um, it was. Uh, it was a difficult period, um, as I say, a lot of anger, a lot of uh, physical abuse and um, just hurt, really. And um, for years I had people praying for me that I didn't know anything about. Um, I met my wife um, and uh, she had been coming to, to church for years and um, yeah, just things went a bit out of control. Um, I, we have children together and... Um, my wife had informed me about CAP, Christians Against Poverty, and uh, I became a CAP client to try and get out of my debt and try and sort my life out. Um, and through Christians Against Poverty and an awful lot of prayer as well, I must say that um, I gave my life to Christ two years ago um, at a CAP discovery break. Um, it was completely unexpected. I didn't want to um, be a Christian. It was something that I was actually quite against I would say um, at that point in my life um, you know I my idea of Christianity was something completely far from what it is now and um, I 
heard the testimony of a guy called Rod Williams who um, had been through a lot of similar things, a lot of drug use and um, a lot of real kind of terrible stuff had um, gone on in his life that he was um, open and honest about. And at that moment, it, things started to click into place for me. And it was... Um, it was that, that Jesus can save and that I was actually longing for something. I was longing for a hole to be filled in my life. Um, I was searching, but I didn't realize that. And um, yeah, and uh, at Gartmore House in uh, July 2016, um, the Holy Spirit came to me and, uh, and said, yeah, I want you. Um, and it was an amazing, amazing moment. And um, from then, God's really kind of changed my life that you, you could not believe. I think if, um, if you had known me three years ago, um, I am just a completely transformed, reformed person to, to what I was. And um, so my, my faith journey started there. And uh, throughout the last two years has been so significant. Um, you know, I, I, I was baptized and then was married. Um, I had another child. Um, you know, and, and God's really kind of um, taken me into a direction that now I'm working for Christians Against Poverty. Um, I'm now acting centre manager at Central um, in Mary's absence, and uh, it's great that, that they've now had their baby call. And uh, so my journey now is bringing people to Christ. Um, I go out to meet people who are in that same situation as what I was in, um, people who are really desperate and struggling. Um, and to be able to offer hope to them and the hope of Jesus that Jesus saves, um, there's, there's no better thing than you, that you can do in someone's life than to offer that hope. So, um, yeah, and, and that's where I am now. And, Great. And, yeah. Andy, thank you very much. Thank you. Well, uh, I'm Saul Scaff, and I am not from here. I'm from the States, as you might have uh, been able to tell. And, uh, yeah, I didn't become a believer until I was 30 years old. I can actually relate a lot to Andy's story. Um, those first 30 years were all about um, just doing whatever I thought would bring me happiness or pleasure or, or peace. And I think I tried about every possible thing I could to do that. Um, then when I was 30, uh, uh, a man who I was interviewing with for a tech job, wound up discipling me. There's a story behind that, but don't have time to go into it. Um, and you might have heard the phrase, belong before you believe. Um, well, this guy had a, a ministry in East Austin, which was a part of town in Austin, Texas, that was uh, kind of reaching out to, to people who were struggling in a lot of different ways. And um, he would, he would, talked to me in the morning about God uh, because he knew I had questions about God. He would buy me lunch. I didn't have any money at that time, so that was kind of what drew me in. <laughs> and uh, he would teach me a story uh, from the Bible, and then that, that afternoon I would teach it to kids um, after school. And uh, I had all these intellectual reasons not to believe, but uh, slowly, one by one, he answered all those questions for me, or at least got me to a place where it was 50-50, and before I thought there was so much evidence against the argument for the existence of Christ, but I really came to find that that evidence was a lot more flimsy than I had first uh, thought. I guess I kind of accepted that God just didn't exist. And um, 
but when I began to look at the evidence, actually there's a lot of reasons to think that he does. Um, and I knew that life without Christ was empty and meaningless. Decided to take a leap of faith, became a Christian. Things that didn't make sense to me before began to make sense. Things I couldn't understand about scripture, uh, I began to understand. And kind of like Andy, um, you know, what I found was most helpful for, for me in those early days was meeting with somebody one-on-one and talking about the real stuff in my life, just being open and transparent about it with somebody who wasn't there to judge me or fix me, um, but who was just there to come alongside me. And so that's what I set out to do to other people, went to seminary, became a counselor, became a pastor, ran a recovery ministry, um, and I, I do similar work today here at Central, and that's that's what's one of the most exciting things about being a believer is to offer people a chance at the hope that I found in Christ, and in an authentic way, not in a in a way that's forced or phony in any way, but a way that um, goes to the very heart of people's lived experience. So, thank you very much. Um. Hi, I'm Steph. I'm 29. I'm originally from Austria. Um, My dad is American, my mom is German, and I grew up um, in a missionary home. I've always believed in God. I've had a faith all my life, but I've not always followed Jesus. Um, So growing up in a missionary family, um, I reached a point when I was about 14 when I was overwhelmed by the pressure of having to hold up this image of a, of a good daughter, of a good Christian. And, and at the time, I thought being a Christian was all about following rules. It's about maintaining an image. It's about doing the right thing. Um, and I just couldn't take it anymore. And I actually, um, for a couple of years, made a conscious decision not to follow Jesus. Um, and long story short, it ended up with me on my knees begging Jesus for forgiveness. Um, I was so, I felt so empty at the time. There was a lot of darkness in my life. My relationship with my parents was completely broken down. And I realized that, um, I don't know if anybody was here last week to hear Amy share, but she said, you know, Christianity is not just an intellectual position. And I realized that at the moment, it wasn't just an intellectual position. It wasn't a set of rules that you follow and it wasn't about being a good person. It was about having a relationship with Jesus and receiving his forgiveness and his grace. It wasn't about following rules for the sake of following rules, but it was about letting yourself be transformed. And out of that transformation, you stop wanting to do certain things. Um, When I was 19, I um, went and actually joined the missions organization that my parents were part of to do a discipleship training school and was planning to be a missionary myself, something I never, ever thought I would ever want to do, um, and moved to Thailand. And um, just before the UCAS deadline, I really felt God say to me that I wasn't to move to Thailand, but that I had to apply to go to university in the UK. Um, And I had some random choices. I hadn't heard of most of the universities, and I ended up actually going to St. Andrews. I got a full scholarship to come, um, and my life ended up now looks very, very different to what I thought it would when I was 19, but I met my husband Mitch at St. Andrews, and um, we moved to Edinburgh four years ago to join this church um, and to be part of one of the communities called Streetlights that work with street sex workers. Um, And what gets me out of bed in in the morning now is 
different from what got me out of bed in the morning so many years ago. But um, I work as a management consultant now, and I'm really, really passionate about um, bringing kingdom values to the workplace and drawing out potential in people and building up leaders. Um, yeah, that's me. Thank you. Thanks. So, yeah, uh, my name's Rob. I'm married to Susanna. We've got two boys, James and David, who you'll normally see running around noisily at the end of the service, sometimes with shoes on, mostly with t-shirts on. Apologies if you see them without them. We've just come back from two years in New Zealand. They're a bit more laid back over there. Um, what gets me out of bed in the morning is the theme tune to Aladdin, because um, I, I hate waking up to a coronary. You know, it's like, oh my word, it's the start of the day. So it's slowly building, but then my wife told me that she was humming it all day. So could I change, please? So this, this morning it was Dire Straits Private Investigations, which also builds, builds slowly. Um, but more seriously, three reasons why I'm a, a Christian. Um, the first is, is, it makes a lot of sense to me. My, my job, I'm a consultant psychiatrist working for the NHS. And statistically, one of probably the biggest thing that helps people deal with mental illness, protects people against mental illness that can change is, is to have a personal faith or spirituality of some kind. doesn't mean you can't be mentally healthy if you don't have a faith, but statistically that is one of the big building blocks and it's something that you can change. You can't necessarily change your upbringing. You can change your financial status, um, as Andy was talking about, but you can also change your faith and that to me, I see people who struggle with amazing things because of their faith. Um, second reason I'm a Christian is that, it, is that it makes sense. I've been a Christian for, for 30 years now. and um, Whilst the answers have got more complicated and more nuanced, as you know, life is complex, life can be difficult at times, it's not always a sort of one-line answer, but the answers that we were hearing from Amy, Amy last week, they are still the answers. You know, we, we, we get to the point where we have to say, you know, what did we sing earlier? You are good, good, oh, oh. We, we sang it 20 times. The reason why we sang it 20 times is sometimes you just need to hold on to that and say, do you know what? God is too good to ever do us harm. God is too wise to ever make a mistake. We, we come back to these sort of backstops and we just have to hold on to that. God is never going to let me down. You know, that's why we sang those things. He's too good and too wise. And it, it comes back to that. And I've not found those answers to be lacking. And I think the third reason is that every, every time I hear the good news of Jesus Christ, I know that, you know, that he, he left heaven and came down and reached out and wanted to reach out and, and, and save me. I want to meet Aslan from Narnia. You know, who wants to meet Aslan? And that's what God is like. You know, I, I, my heart leaps every time I hear the story of the good news because it is, it is good news for my heart and my head and my mental health. Brilliant. Well, listen, we've heard some great stories. Thank you again, panel, for being willing to share them. We've heard about transformed lives, transformed thinking. We've heard about the chance to meet Aslan. There must be questions that we have around this stuff. And what I want to encourage you to do now over the next few minutes is to go to the uh, slido.com, put your questions in, and in about five or seven minutes, we'll come back and we'll answer some of those questions. But until then, we're going to take a short break. You can get up and move around, talk to the person next to you if you want, go and grab a coffee from out of the back. You'll see the countdown appear on the screen when it's five minutes to restart, and then we'll get going with some Q&A. Thank you.
any lasting difference and they're beginning to feel like giving up on God. You know, have you any advice for that kind of thing? Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, this is a, it's a tough question. Um, and, and so I, I'm not saying this is a, a silver bullet answer. I don't know that there is one. Um, but I, I would just say, I guess I would answer it as what works for me. Because I would say there's, even though I've been a believer a while now, I, I don't always feel, um, you know, real close to God. There are times when I feel distant from God. Uh, there are times when I have questions and I have struggles and I have doubts. Um, but I guess what sustains me is, number one, knowing that my relationship with God isn't always dependent on my Faithfulness, it's dependent on his faithfulness. And uh, there's that passage in the Old Testament where um, Abraham makes the covenant with God and God causes him to fall asleep. And then God is the one who makes the covenant while Abram's sleeping. Um, and, and that just symbolizes that, that this is about God being Yahweh, you know, the, the, the loyal love, the hesed of God. Uh, and, and, I actually contribute very little to that, um, except to say, you know, I believe, help me with my unbelief. And um, so I would just say, keep pressing in, uh, keep reading scripture, keep coming to church. If there are things in your life that uh, you struggle with, talk to somebody about them, be as open and honest as you can. Um, Maybe there's something there that needs to be worked through or dealt with. Uh, keep praying, even when you don't sense God's presence. You know, establish some spiritual disciplines in your life. Get around other believers. Listen to testimony. Read books. You know, keep seeking. Scripture says, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. And I actually have that tattooed on my arm because uh, I need to remember it. Um, I need to remember that I need to keep seeking and keep knocking. I think all of us do. And certainly uh, becoming a Christian doesn't mean that there's not going to be suffering or pain or loss in your life. Um, Jesus was perfectly faithful and he was crucified. So, you know, uh, when those things come up, pressing in, having community, having fellowship, having the word at your side... Uh, that's what makes the difference. So well, thank you very much. It's a, that's a, a difficult question, but I guess there are um, resonances there for all of us when it doesn't always feel like things are going terrifically well, but that doesn't change the way that things actually are. Thank you. I, Rob, I, I thought I, I just wanted to throw this out for you because I think that you have something interesting to say about this. Someone has written, and 10 other people have liked this, um, how do you juggle the craziness of parenthood while still trying to have time for God? And Rob, if you have an answer to this, we are all very interested yes. in what it might be. Well, I'm slightly worried that my wife put this question in and is, is hoping for wisdom from someone else in the panel. Um, so feel free to chip in later, you lot. Um, it's a really difficult situation, isn't it? And I think, um, you know, you're running around and you've got school drop-off and sometimes the kids are the centre and they've got clubs here and all, and all this sort of stuff. And I think, I think it's, 
there's a, there's a few few sort of things I chip in, and obviously it's, you know, it's particularly difficult if you're a, if you're a single parent um, because you haven't necessarily got got two of you there to do it. But I think having the relationships and, and supports around in, in slightly different ways is the key thing. I think I think the first thing is you know you, you've got to make time for yourself. You you've, you've got to date your spouse. Um, one thing I do is um, or we've started doing, haven't we? Is every so often, every few months, take a cheeky day off work, take a Thursday off work for no other reason than we're going to go and get coffee or go for a walk in the Pentlands or something like that. You know, just, just have a bit, of, a, a bit of fun like that and, you know, make sure that you are there as parents. And, you know, if you can be the best you and the best couple together, that is the way to be best for your children. Um, it's not about being a perfect parent. In actual fact, the, the child psychiatrists and psychotherapists, people like John Bowlby and some of the big figures said it, it's not about perfect parenting. It's about good enough parenting. And good enough parenting is just being you as well as you can be, making a few mistakes. Actually, perfect parents are slightly freaky. Um, do you know what I mean? Like they never make mistakes, never lose a temper. It's like, whoa, um, ice queen. Um, you know, I think it's okay to, to, to be yourself. You've got to be strong as, as a couple or if you're, if you're by yourself, be, be strong in your community. I think you've got, to, you've got to find space for your own faith as well. So, you know, we've been on a bit of a journey to, to New Zealand and back. Um, and one of the reasons for that is I was doing quite a lot of stuff with a ministry called the Mind and Soul Foundation, doing a lot of speaking, writing, that sort of thing. And almost had to sort of get away 12,000 miles to make sure actually, you know, this is about me in the middle of my life, if, that, if I'm middle-aged, help, um, you know, sort of finding my own faith, just, just going to church for, for, for myself, started playing in the band across there and might start doing some of that here, you know, things that are just nothing to do with my professional life. Um, and I think, you know, with, with the kids as well, different families do this in different ways. You know, some families seem to, always posting these amazing things on Facebook about how they went on a prayer walk together as a family. And um, our family don't do that, really. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, if your family does, may the Lord continue to bless you. Um, but generally speaking, what we do do is try and get away one-on-one with the kids every, every so often. You know, I'll take James overnight camping in the Pentlands or... Suzanne will take David on a bus somewhere and just have those little times, make time, you know, a snuggle at night time. And the questions do come up, you know, the question, you know, who's God? Why do we have to go to church? You know, and the, the questions do come up and different families will do that in, in different ways. Um, I don't know if that's helpful or if anyone else wants to, to chip in as well. Gareth, you've got lots of children. It's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely honest, Rob. Thank you. Um, and and um, does anyone else want to, to add to that? Oh, oh, oh. Just, just to add one thing, uh, I don't, it's a bit of, I guess the thought that popped in my head is it's, uh, raising kids is not an unspiritual thing. Um, and that is, is, I mean, probably through raising my kids, God has taught me more about what a relationship with a father is like than possibly any other thing. Um, and so I would say it's not, you know, time and I, all the things you said apply, absolutely. Um, but there's spirituality in raising kids. It's not just my spiritual growth or I'm raising kids. It's all, it's all part of the same uh, lesson set that God is, is delivering to me each and every day. Brilliant. Thank you. So, Andy, sorry to make you wait till last. But listen, here's, here is a, a very important question, which I think resonates with the story that you told us. So you... You told us, if I'm, apologies if I'm uh, summarizing this wrongly, but essentially you, you did a bit of a 180 
from having a pretty rock and roll lifestyle yeah. to something that looks very, very different now. Yeah. And the question is, um, how do you know the difference between just a gut feeling and when God is actually telling you to do something? <sighs> Hit the new guy with a hard question. Um, yeah, um, that's a great question, it really is. Um, so we were, we were singing, you are good, earlier on, and that's quite significant to... Um, to me um, when I'm discerning what God's saying to me because God only says good things he's not going to tell you bad things um, I think significantly for, for me was um, in fact I'll share a bit of a story if that's okay um, so we are a continuous work every one of us um, we have recently moved out to Preston Pans and uh, the other week there we had a bit of a, um, we've got um, a little boy Judah who's, who's seven, um, who's quite energetic, um, a little bit kind of out there and um, yeah, quite, <laughs> quite loud at times and uh, he had a little bit of an altercation with another child and uh, the, the mum came over to our gate and um, was quite shouting, aggressive, swearing in front of loads of children, and it was yeah, it was it, it was a bit of a mess. So I kind of went out and said, "Look, you know, sorry if anything's happened there. Is there any way we can sort this out?" And and things got a little bit heated, and um, and I I made a judgment and said something that I really shouldn't have said, and. Um, once I said it, I went back, walked back into our, our house and I just felt this, I just felt it was God whispering in my ear saying, that's, that's not how I do things. Um, so for, for me, it, it's whispers, it, it's, it, it's whispers and God's kind of just talking to me in a way that I understand and that kind of... Um, that, that whisper that, that God kind of said in my ear was more like a, oi, that was wrong, go back and sort it out. That's the way that I've been kind of brought up. It's my, the way that I understand God talking. And I think when I got baptized and I gave my, um, my baptism testimony, um, I had mentioned that the, the night that I gave my life to Christ, um, God spoke to me while I was half asleep in a really loud Glaswegian accent. And I remember Carl saying, oh, no, God's Glaswegian. Um, and, um, but, but the way that, it, you know, the way that God works is that God will speak to you in a way that you understand it and the way that you can hear him clearly. And God only tells you good things. God's not going to tell you to go back there and shout at that woman. And God didn't do that with me. God said, that's not the way that I do things. So knowing that that wasn't the way that God did things, I went back and I apologized and I said, I'm really sorry, I made a judgment on you and it's not for me to judge. Um, and, you know, things were sorted out, which was great. We managed to um, get a conversation with them and start talking about faith with them as well, which is, thank you, Lord, <laughs> which is amazing. But, you know, it's, God will speak to every single one of us in our own way. Um, and just remembering that God will speak to you in a good way. God's not going to tell you 
bad things. He is good. He is good. Oh. <laughs> um, <Okay>. Terrific. So. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's it. <laughs> Sorry, I hope that was helpful. No, no, that was. Well, it helped me anyway. Thank you. Thank you. So, listen, uh, we, could, we could go on for a lot longer. And uh, I wish we had longer to explore more of the questions that you sent in, or at least hear more from the panel. And um, let me say just thank you once again, folks, for being willing to come and share and be vulnerable and sit up here and, and not be experts, but to have uh, a story to share. And thank you for submitting your questions. Uh, in a moment, we're going to um, close up the gathering for today. But I just wanted to, to, to finish by saying, look, this has been a, quite an unusual opportunity. Um, it's not every day that you get a chance to, to hear this kind of range of um, story. People lay out there the good and the bad of their attempts to follow Jesus. And um, in a way, it's, it's so important because this is probably the most important question you're ever going to have to deal with. You know, if God is who he says he is and wants to do in and for us what he says he does then there can't be anything more important that we've got to get right in our own thinking and respond to in the right kind of way. So if you've been sitting here thinking, actually, do you know, I should really think a bit more about this or I should talk to somebody about this or I should maybe ask somebody to pray with me about this or I thought I had this squared away but now I'm not so sure and there are things that this has brought up that I want to think about some more, then please don't leave this morning without doing something. Um, God's in control. There are no coincidences. If you're feeling prompted, if you're feeling a whispering, then respond to it because now is as good a time as any and it's an important thing to get right. So thank you very much for your time and your attention and uh, Hannah, we'll just hand over to you.